we have the divine artist, you know, painting the skies every day. And <laughs> that's one way to look at artists too, or, you know, they're, they're painting well. And you can say, well, God does it. He paints sunrises and sunsets, <laughs> uh, paints all kinds of wonderful things. And what a variety of colors. God's got more, more greens in, on his palette than we, <laughs> than we could ever dream of. Welcome to Sharing Our Marianist Stories. I think we have a really good interview to talk about today to Sister Gabby. Yeah, regular listeners have probably noticed it's been a while since you've had a podcast from us, and that is because we have been very busy at work on a different media project, which is now completed, and that is uh, a video about the general chapter of 1981 that the brothers had where they finalized their rule of life. And so we spent a lot of time working on that and that's finished and it's on YouTube. So I recommend you check it out. But we're excited to get back to the podcast. And our interview today is actually one that Patty and I recorded this summer um, with Brother John Limpker. And... um, yeah, Patty, I think it was your idea to interview Brother John. So could you talk a little bit about, you know, why you wanted to talk to him, what you were looking forward to, and, and sort of what this interview ends up being about with him? Sure. I've, I've just always admired Brother John Lemker's photography. And he's, like, well-regarded. He's won prizes, you know, nationally for sure, of his photographs of nature. I've also enjoyed when he combines his knowledge of physics with the art of nature and then his vocation as a religious brother. And just putting those three things together to me, I always find fascinating. And so when Brother John tells us how he was introduced to the Marianists and physics and photography it just tells a beautiful story of intertwining faith and science and, and nature. So that's what I was looking forward to. And I believe he uh, fulfilled my expectations. How about you, Gabby? Yes, I agree. Um, I don't remember if in the interview he says what his age is, but he does say that he has 70 years of religious life under his belt. So, um, He's almost 90, I think. So he's he's very much, he's seen a lot in his life and has experienced a lot in his life. And so I was also looking forward to hearing him talking about how he met the Marianist brothers and how he became a brother and just a little bit about how different life was back then. Um, but yeah, I think when I, you know, when I first met him, I think, think it was at um, a photography show at the um, gallery here at Mount St. John, um, him showing his photos. And I was just like, well, 
brothers can be photographers. That's really interesting. Like, I just, I didn't realize that. And um, what you find, like, what he explains, I think, so well is how much his photography is, like, an extension of his spirituality, of his prayer life. Because it's nature photography. I mean, that's really what he does, is it's nature photography. So he has just some wonderful things to share about that. You know, he takes photography of sunrises, sunsets, mountains, you know, the biggest landscape and then the smallest flower. And so I think his photography helps us see with what maybe we can't travel to see or an opportunity to see more than our own eyes when we reflect on that. And then when he puts his spirituality into it, it's, it's just a prayer. It just feels like a prayer. Yeah, and I think, too, what he shows us in his photography is the importance of paying attention. Mm -hmm. And there's so many images that he has captured that are fleeting. Like what you'll hear, those listening, you'll hear in the interview him talking about Patty's favorite photo, which is of frost on a rose which was only there for a short period of time, but he captured it. And I think his photography has made him have like a heightened awareness of his surroundings and of like appreciating the moment and the photo is capturing a moment in time. So I just, I don't know, it made me think a lot more about photography, not only as an art form, but also as like a, a form of prayer. I absolutely agree. And I also think his love of science, that knowledge of, and inquisitiveness of, you know, God's creation, just, I think, all comes together for, like, a particular artist's view when he takes his, his photographs. And I think this interview is also notable because this is the first interview we have done in person. One number one, in person since COVID, and number two, the very first interview in our new recording studio. So during the pandemic, we turned a portion of the front of our office, kind of walled it in with with glass and with some acoustic paneling, and it's become a recording studio, which is going to be the set place of hopefully many future interviews to come, both video and audio. So that was very exciting that John, Brother John could be our first official guest um, in, in our new recording studio space. It was, and the name of our new recording studio is Brother Lawrence J. Cada Recording Studio, which is so meaningful for all of us at NACMIS as he has been a Marianist scholar for many, many years, as many of you know, and worked, was the first director of NACMIS. So we're so happy to share this with you and promise you many more in the future. Without further ado, here is our interview with Brother John Lemker, and we hope you enjoy it. I'm Brother John Richard Lemker, and this is uh, concluding my 70th year of 
as a Marianist, made my first vows in 1951. How did you meet the brothers, and how did you decide that you wanted to become a brother? Well, I uh, would go back to uh, the 40s, and I was interested in becoming a priest, and I thought of that as a possibility. I talked to my pastor, and he suggested that, uh, oh, you're a little young. He said, go down to Covenant Catholic, and, uh, and of course, Marion is taught there. So uh, that was the beginning of the story. So I spent two years there, and it was a very small school. So we had four brothers and, and one priest member. Uh, and one layperson who, who taught. There was one uh, class in each year of the four years, so 150 in the whole school. And I really liked how the brothers related. So by the end of my sophomore year, I was, I was kind of ready to, yeah, let's, let's, I'm going to get a closer look at this. Let's go. <laughs> what, as a, such a young person, how did you feel, what made you feel called to, to that vocation? Um, it, it was a feeling that maybe I can do the same thing. <laughs> uh, because of that relationship, I thought it would be, that, that's a good way to live. Just, just the way they treated the students and the kind of spirit that we had was good. And I said, well, I, I guess I would say today, these, these guys kind of knew how to do it, <laughs> you know. They just related well, and so that was the the main thing, you know, a life where I could be relating to younger people like this, and like myself at the time. Uh, so you can do a lot of good. <laughs> so that was the motivation. I would have been 16 when I came here to Mount St. John. And I had, uh, it was a junior in high school, so I spent two years as a postulant here. And then, of course, going to the novitiate, uh, I was 17, and it took vows at 18 years old. So did they have a high school here? Like, how did you finish high school as a postulant? Yes, they were accredited here and had all the... Uh, you know, kinds of courses that you would think of, except we didn't have a chemistry lab, uh, but we did have uh, in the building, there was a setup for physics, uh, which eventually, <laughs> you know, became something I love very much. Um, uh, but otherwise, you know, English languages, uh, yeah. When did you fall in love with physics? Who was your physics? Was it a, was it here on this property, or was it when you went to college? But what? When did you fall in love with physics? Well, um, I enjoyed the course uh, we had in the postulate, and I thought, gee, yeah, you know, I'm understanding some things about our planet as as well as how a lot of things work, but. I was also very interested in biology, and we had a, uh, I had a summer school course, an intensive summer school course. We had six weeks, and uh, the brothers who taught, there were two brothers, and, and they 
it was team taught, and they were both very good, and I just learned a lot. Boy, this is fascinating. So uh, during the time of novitiate, before we made our first vows, because right afterwards we were going to go to UD and start studies, um, they asked each of us, do you have an idea of, a, is there something you're particularly interested in? Um, that you might like to know. And well, I said, yeah, the sciences. And I said, I really like biology and, and physics. And, and I said, oh, that's, that's really good. We, you know, that'll be great for our high schools, which was ordinarily the way things were going. You know, you would teach in high school. And uh, uh, it, was, it was a difficult decision because I really liked them both. And uh, I, I'm so glad that, that I had that interest in both because... The photography later it was one thing, but just playing the, you know, seeing things and whatever it is, birds and animals, and, oh, it was so fascinating. Um, but there's something that kind of, so it was almost like flipping a coin, as I'll go physics. In college, I was able to get a, a, a course in biology just out of interest, <laughs> you know, so that was real helpful too. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about your photography. That's how I grew to know you. And and I just know that photography and science and faith are all connected. And, and I just think your work displays that beautifully. So when did you start? Did you always have a uh, attraction to photography? Well, when I was real young, uh, there were times where I said, oh, I'd like, I'd like to get a picture of that. Well, we had a little brownie camera. Very occasionally, I would ask my mom or dad, you know, can I take a picture? And then, okay, so that give me the thing. Uh, and th that was about it. And then one, one time, my dad took me, uh, we went on a little trip down into Kentucky to a place called High Bridge. At the, it was a wooden structure, terrifically high. And at that time, it was the highest bridge over a navigable stream in the world, and in Kentucky. So uh, I remember going down with Dad, and by that time, uh, we had a little different camera. So some distance away, I took a picture of this, and then you could walk across this bridge. But the bridge railing was only about three feet high, and I started to walk out there with my dad and just, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Because uh, he just kind of sauntered out, you know. And and I was scared stiff. And I had acrophobia. I, I, I couldn't possibly. So I said, Dad, I can't, I can't go. And and so he said, all right, it's okay. So, so we walked back. But from a distance, I did get a picture of the bridge. And so that was kind of fun. And, Never thought a whole lot about it, frankly, after that, until uh, I think it was 19, it's either 69 or 70, and I had been teaching and I got the National Science Foundation grant to study out west uh, in the summer. Uh, and I had three successive summers, like seven or eight weeks each time, and uh, you know, an all day learning experience and weekend maybe doing some field trips and things and 
to learn some geology so I could teach a new course in uh, high school. Uh, and I had a borrowed camera uh, that someone gave me and later said, oh, I'll just keep it. <laughs> okay. So I was mainly interested in and focused on the geologic aspect of things. Well, when I started teaching using those, um, I set up a night for, uh, for parents of, of students. And uh, you know, so they could get into some of the things that their students were, were learning. So a number of parents came, and I showed these. And the main interest <laughs> wasn't, for the parents wasn't in the geology. They were seeing other things there. I said, yeah, well, maybe I ought to pay more attention to some of these other aspects. So I started doing that, and, and the rest is, you know, the rest of the years were spent then predominantly on things other than geological. <laughs> Although they're, they're there automatically in many, many instances. So then I really got serious. And at the time of my uh, Silver Jubilee, uh, I got permission to ask for, because my parents wanted to do something special, and that uh, I might have a, a camera and, and a, a wide-angle lens to go with. So that's how it all began. And then, uh, oh, a couple of years later, uh, people were encouraging me, and I thought some of this might be published. So the Sierra Club calendar in those days would solicit pictures, and they would have two, 300,000 photographs, and then they'd, they'd make their yearly calendar of, of 50 photos. And, so I sent them two samples that I had, and they used one of them, and that was the reeds and reflections one. Then I, I was flooded. I, I got more than 100 letters from around the country about that photograph, and people asking for prints and things, you know. And then the one company, uh, it was a biological supply company, and th they had seen this and asked if they could use it. And... Uh, they gave me a real nice uh, stipend for it. There's a wraparound cover for their their catalog, you know. So this kind of put my name out there and interest, you know, and then it was published in other places since. Uh, and it, it remains one of my favorites, not just because, you know, that. Uh, but it's just very interesting. Uh, and the story behind how I got it. So I, I photograph sometimes with, I'm looking for something very specific or rather specific. And then you have to be ready though for all the surprises. And, uh, and sometimes they turn out to be better than what you went for. Because I went to photograph Haley's Comet that morning. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't see it because it was fogged over. And I had traveled two hours getting up at 2.30 in the morning uh, to get to a spot because it was pretty close. Haley's Comet was supposed to be close to the horizon. And uh, oh, I thought, oh, gee, all this wasted. Oh, my. Oh, so I was really discouraged. Got in the car and started home and almost fell asleep and said, whoa, 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 I got to get off the road and take a nap. And I, I pulled off the road and uh, just happened to be, there were some canoes there in this, oh, there's a little lake here and you rent a canoe, you know. 
wasn't ready to rent a canoe, so I fell asleep. And uh, when I woke up, I was so groggy that I can't drive yet. Better get up and walk around, which I did. And then I walked around this little lake. There were those reeds. <laughs> it was the best photograph of my life, and it turns out that that isn't what I went for at all. <laughs> Somebody told me down photograph some reeds, and yeah, yeah, go fly a kite, you know. <laughs> Ever since that, I've, I've just been captivated by um, the beauty and the intrigue of creation. And in coming more and more to realize what we've talked about a little bit, the connectedness of everything and uh, how important that is to, to realize and uh, to appreciate its uh, contribution to contemplation. Another whole aspect of silence when you're just there and you're, it's just truly awesome. <laughs> I've learned to appreciate well, just stand at all. What's been your favorite place that you've photographed? Because I know you've been to a lot of places. That's a tough one. <laughs> that can change from year to year. <laughs> I guess the one that I visited most, partly because of its accessibility, but, but mostly because of the beauty and and, and and just the awesomeness that's here is the Upper Peninsula of Michigan uh, in the autumn. The yellow colors, the lakes, the kinds of reflections in the lakes. So, and some very, very interesting and, and different things. Um, other things I've learned, like there was a white pine forest up there in this one area, and it was, it was clear-cut... Uh, I don't know when, but you know, many many years ago, and and so the uh, stumps that were left. Uh, I remember the first time there was one white pine stump, and then out of it there's, and I can't remember the species of trees, but there's a different species of tree growing out of the old stump because you know debris had gathered there, and I guess a bird dropped a seed in there from this other plant, and that grew. Uh, and uh, it, right away, I was thinking of uh, Jesse. Uh, you know, a shoot shall sprout from Jesse. Oh, oh. <laughs> so unusual and you know, wow. My favorite of yours is the the rose with the frost oh. that you took in November, I think, and then yes. by the end of the day, it was gone. Oh, just two hours later, it was gone. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, so the, the hoarfrost where in the morning where the, there's this temperature drop you know, shortly before sunrise, and just enough to be at the freezing point and then go below freezing, and then throw these frost spicules glue on, on the rose. Uh, and I remembered that the, the day before I had seen this rose and I had marveled at this so late in the year and the roses are still blooming here. I said, is it really something? It was right along the path near the grotto. Well, when I woke up that morning and looked outside and I saw a frost on something right outside the door, you know, on some of the bushes. Thought, Boy, that's really interesting. The rose. 
Why reverse frost on the roads? So I dashed out because it was just a short distance. And by George, there was that rose. Oh my. So Dita Sayer and back got the camera and set things up and got close ups and tried different angles and everything. And then about two hours later or so it warmed up and of course it melted and then the rose wilted because of the <laughs> you know, it had just been stressed too much and it was gone. And you also made a, uh, did some programming where you added psalms to your oh. photos? Yes, it's become an important part of um, of my work with, with teaching scripture. And I, I did some retreat work. I found it real helpful, like to, beginning, to begin the day, um, you know, so well, you begin things with prayer, of course. And so I would put... Uh, the, the uh, slides, uh, a selection of slides with a psalm, for example, and then after each stanza of the psalm, perhaps change to a new photograph and to line them up uh, pretty well. Well, like uh, the Benedicite, uh, bless the Lord, or your works of the Lord, and uh, sun and rain, bless the Lord. Well, you know, you can find photographs of those, and so maybe with a pause. And I wouldn't do that for each individual little one, but, uh, you know, 15 slides, and, and people really appreciated that. And uh, I found it a, a prayerful thing to prepare, <laughs> you know. Well, I think in our notes, we'll talk about the gallery at Mart's, Mount St. John, so people understand, because, you know, people from, we know that we have listeners in Australia, so... We want people to know about the gallery at Mount St. John. That's pretty much what you do. You have showings um, of your work there here in Dayton, Ohio. Yes. Yeah, Gallery St. John has been 30, yeah, let's see, 31 or 32 years ago. Brother Joe Barish got it started and it's grown ever since. And, and we we have a, as the mission statement uh, for the, the gallery. Um, that it's an educational adventure. We're we're hopeful that it's really helpful to to other people to see a kind of creativity that might be a little different from what they've experienced. Uh, we experience that in our differences. We are so different. Uh, basically, the five of us who show ordinarily, um, we just do different things. But they're all expressions of this creativity and and God's blessings, and so we try to, you know, best we can promote that. And people learn in different ways, and it's not just by books, <laughs> you know. That's so very important. I mean, I, I love reading. I love books. I read a lot of books, <laughs> but. Uh, there are other ways that our whole being is touched that you can't get from books. And uh, that's what artists are all about. So we, I, th I think we need that aspect of life to look at things that are, are really wor works of art. Uh, and again, that standing at all comes the same way. We, we have the divine artist, you know, painting the skies every day. And <laughs> uh, 
that's one way to look at artists too, or you know, they're they're painting well. Yeah, you can say, well, God does it. He paints sunrises and sunsets, <laughs> uh, paints all kinds of wonderful things, and what a variety of colors. God's got more more greens in on His palette than we <laughs> than we could ever dream of. You know? <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Brother John Lemker. We'd also like to mention that the art gallery is still open a couple days a week on the Mount St. John property. There's Brother John always has some photography there and still has unique shows as well as other Marianist artists. If you haven't had a chance to check this space out, it is really worth your time. And we've included on our webpage, um, on the, the page where we posted this podcast, and in the show notes for this podcast, a link to the gallery website. So we recommend that you click on that and check it out and learn a little bit more about Brother John's work and other Marianist artists on that website. If you want to learn more about NACMIS or hear our other podcasts, go to www nacms.org and check out our programming and lots of very interesting podcasts.